Hello, Character Arc listeners. Welcome to the Character Arc Podcast, where each week we talk about a movie we just watched. Uh, we start by giving a short synopsis of that film and then move into a general discussion where we talk about what we liked, what we didn't like, and then talk about some changes we would make if we were the ones making the movie. Um, I'm Richard Bertelson. And I am Ted Hong. And this week we watched Jojo Rabbit. His master Jojo. You're a top man. Prepare to leave the house. Today you boys will be involved in such activities as war games, ah! ambush techniques, them blowing stuff up. I don't think I can do this. Was? Of course you can. When I was your age, I had an imaginary friend come in so much trouble. Kids, it's time to burn some books. Also, we will spoil the movie, um, Also, the, which I will say, I mean, if you've listened to us before, you know that this is a discussion podcast, not a review podcast. I mean, they are functionally not that different, except for the fact that we're not teasing anything. We do just discuss what happens. Yeah. Um, and so that we can talk about the quality of the filmmaking without holding anything back. Uh, but I do want to make that even clearer in this episode, just because the movie does take a sharp tonal shift at some point. And yeah. so if you don't want to know what that is, then you probably see the movie first. Ted, do you have a synopsis? Okay, during World War II in Nazi Germany, a Jew hypnotizes Froland Ram's uncle into becoming a useless drunk that gambled all of their money away and committed <laughs> adultery and partook in pedophilia, maybe, with her sister. I don't know how young they were, but... <laughs> uh, he's referring to a, a character who still shares an anecdote about uh, her her uncle her being uncle. hypnotized. I think it's her uncle. I, I don't recall entirely. <laughs> and at the end of that whole ramble, too, she's like, and then he died, oh, which was totally unrelated, really. but it was the Jew's fault. <laughs> <laughs> um, my synopsis for this movie is a young boy is maimed by a grenade while at sleepaway camp. Nicely put. <laughs> and that's the end of the movie. He yeah, just gets yeah, maimed yeah. by the grenade, and that's it. The rest of it is just, uh, it's all in his head. So this is a very unusual movie to talk about. If you, not it's, it'll be a, it's a good movie to talk about, but it's an unusual movie to talk about in the sense that the premise of the film seems strange at first because the premise is kind of that this young boy in Nazi Germany, his imaginary friend is Hitler, and yeah. um, it's kind of a comedy, but also it well, that see, should be that's misleading though that's to say the that part that's so difficult to accept. It's it's something regarding the subject matter, but the case is it's satirical. And yes, the humor is intended to be irreverent because yeah, it's a bit of black humor. Um, but it never treats it never treats well. Okay, as the movie goes on, what happens though is it doesn't hide the horrors of Nazism. It doesn't right. it try does to. Not, it, it does, does not, not shy away. There's it no is sympathizing with it. It's actually, you know, goes to that tonal shift. It. it it does not paint this as a good place or a happy place. It one of the reasons why it kind of starts that way is because you're being you're seeing the movie from this ten year old boy's perspective, yeah. and he's he's been brainwashed. And the movie makes it very clear as you go as you get on into the film, it becomes very clear that he starts to realize that too yeah. that this is not the world. The world that he's been fed is not the real world. Right. Adolf Hitler serves to be the personification of this indoctrination right. that. That he's being brainwashed, right? And because even, yeah, his imaginary friend, Adolf Hitler, while he's fun and goofy and supportive at first, as our main character, Jojo, grows, um, Taika Waititi starts playing it harsher and yes. meaner. And you start seeing that he's scary because 
the boy starting to realize that right. this is a scary person and a scary society he's grown up in. Can this kind of jumps ahead, but it really touches upon something that I wanted to say, um, which we're all already assuming you've seen the movie. Uh, if you consider the last part where he, you know, almost maybe not through most of it, well, most of it, Jojo is like, he's ready to go to war. He wants to be part of, you know, Hitler's personal unit, right? Mm -hmm. um, but then in that last part, everything is in slow motion. And you see how he's just looking around and seeing what initially kind of seems kind of cool. And then it, it degrades and you see that there are people lying in the rubble, people being blown away, uh, people getting shot. Um, and it dawns on him more specifically. It's, um, it's scary and it's horrible. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, the, actually the, the film even starts to uh, sort of towards the beginning of the second half, I guess, as he starts to bond more with his mother. After the midpoint. Yeah, and because we see earlier when he first starts working for the office where he goes and posts propaganda around and serves conscription notices, as he's walking around, those those older kids that were at the camp with him are going off to war, and they're super excited, and they're the back of the truck, and they're like, ah, we're going to war, you know? Yeah. And they're just so happy about it. And then later, as his mom and, her, and him are riding back, you see people coming back from war, right. and they're just... They're just... They're wounded and broken. They're like, yeah, they seem yeah. Not, not just physically hurt, but they seem just absolutely mentally and emotionally destroyed. I have a question. Do you think... If they had, I mean, clearly it's like a, it's a, it's a callback to that. They're being driven away right. to war and they're coming back from war. Now in this, when the kid was making fun of Jojo, do you think it would have been more poignant if in the returning vehicle, it was still that same kid? I think so. I, I don't know why that wasn't done that way, but yeah, I think, too. I think maybe for the sake of more realistic, like if they just went off, they yeah. probably wouldn't have come back that soon. Um, I, I was wondering about that too, because it would have been. It would have been more neat the, in regards to the, that. So. The parallelism would have been yeah, starker. Exactly. Mm -hmm. To be a little more clear on the plot, too, though, uh, what actually ends up happening is that is that Jojo discovers that his mom has been hiding a Jewish girl in their house. And most of the movie is actually between them. It's actually kind of a building friendship that develops, even right. though he has very bad views because... And that's where the, the satire comes in, because like the things that he hears are so outlandish. So when he actually brings it up to Captain K, uh, Sam Rockwell's character, even he's laughing about it. Cause it was, uh, this is the part where, um, an invasion was about to happen and he brings up, it's like, Oh yeah, Jews, they, and their mind reading powers. What if they, mm -hmm. what if they mind controlled you? He's like, huh, what a joke. I had an imaginary childhood friend that would wet my bed and get me in lots of trouble. Yeah, it was just like it was so over the top. I mean, it's just the whole the whole plot that's happening because because it is so fiercely from JoJo's perspective. The movie doesn't really focus on the war or the resistance or um, all these other societal ills that are happening, but they're there. They're happening. They're mm -hmm. happening in in the background, and the movie very carefully places these characters and these the things in front of you so that you. You understand the world better than he does. Right. And there's actually, I mean, the things that, again, like things that are never said, like that his mom works for the resistance. Yeah. The movie never says she works for the resistance. Exactly. But you know it you, you because you see 
she does things she that he, does mm-hmm. she kind of disappears for long periods of time right she obviously has sympathy for other people um she's you know she obviously would be happy that she she paints it as she'd be happy the war's over because the war's stupid yes but she's happy that the nazis are going to lose is what she's right. happy about in regards to the subject matter and her her involvement in the resistance uh the part where they come across the four or five people that were being hung she does not shy away from it and she does not have jojo shy away from it either and in the response of jojo's question is like what did what did they do or something um and she says they uh, did what they could they did whatever they could yeah right to imply that they i mean because if you saw on one of the the bodies there was that whole um that little piece of paper strap that said free germany if all the other little hints were not picked up, that was a pretty blatant one to say that she was in along with that. And that's the thing. Um, we're not necessarily saying that the movie's like coded or anything. It's just that mm. this is just good writing. Yeah. Good writing is that these people... They're showing and not telling. Yeah, they're showing and not yeah. telling. Yeah, mm-hmm. you don't have to... Ex- like, if, you, if you've ever heard someone say the movie just is boring because they just say what they they just tell you what's happening instead of showing you what's happening this is the perfect example of a movie that doesn't never do that this movie shows you these people living in their lives and there's a couple reasons why that works so well and makes it more enjoyable than a movie where someone just says stuff at you all the time like i feel this way or i think that or because number one it builds a sense of a sense of active watching mm-hmm. because you have to pay attention and you have to interpret things. That's how your brain works. That's how all so much of when we interact with people at work or our families or our friends is viewing their, their body language and their, the things that they're not saying. And that's how you know that you probably know when your wife's in a bad mood, even if she says she's fine, because you can tell. Right. Um, she, And in fact, in a lot of cases, someone's not going to tell you, hey, I'm sad or I'm angry, because they don't want to go into this whole thing. This is how humans act. And so when we engage with a film this way, not only does it make it more engaging to us in the sense that we have to pay attention, we can't just kind of turn off. So that means that we're not looking away from the movie, because if we don't pay attention then we lose some threads. So mm-hmm. therefore, by its nature, it's requiring us to participate. And two, they feel like more real. They feel more real as humans. Mm-hmm. Now it feels like we're watching these people in their lives living in a way that's personal and intimate that we don't normally get to see in other people's lives. Right. And here's the good example. Uh, it's when JoJo's mom busts into the office mm-hmm. and for a maybe a split second uh sam rockwell's character captain k is feeding finkel i think is his name frinkle uh, something like that theon yeah. Greyjoy, <laughs> alfie allen and the thing is they're hiding behind a wall away from everyone maybe not away from everyone but it's just it's it's an oddly placed situation like they're away from mm-hmm. most of the people inside the main uh room and I remember seeing that for the first time. We're like, that's such an odd thing to, <laughs> to do. But then if you watch closely in the subsequent scenes, you see that there is indeed... The movie strongly suggests that they are a couple, they, that they are a homosexual yes. couple. Yeah. Um, which, again, it's another thing that, of course, is never mentioned outright because at this day and age, they would have been killed for it. Mm-hmm. Um, it Especially in that... Particularly in yeah. Nazi Germany. Mm-hmm. And so that plays into so many things because it's it's never expressly said. It is just all all the movie does is they are clearly more comfortable with each other than most 
two platonic friends are. It's never in an actual, like, quote-unquote intimate way. It's mm-hmm. just clear that there's two talented actors who it's just clear that they have more between them. And that's super important for a lot of reasons because it explain. It also, if you put that piece together, then it also explains why... Sam Rockwell is so dismissive whenever Jojo brings up these nonsense about the Jews. Right. Even though he's a even though Sam Rockwell's a Nazi, Captain K is a Nazi, it's it becomes once you put the first thing together with the fact that he's kind of dismissive, it's I think it's more than he just yeah, th- these are ridiculous claims. I think it's also that he just doesn't believe in that part of Nazi beliefs. He just doesn't. No. Um and which also goes to he later seems very helpful to um, when the the Gestapo come and look for the Elsa, the girl who's living in in JoJo's home. And he kind of shows up out of nowhere because he Mm -hmm. knows that he needs to help with the situation, which, again, he can't do outwardly because the Gestapo's there and he's a Nazi. But, again, that's because you piece the other things together. It's because... He knows that he would also be persecuted if anyone knew. Yeah. And so he's very sympathetic and helpful to this Jewish girl. Yeah, because it seems... Well, prior to that, when he first arrives, you're wondering why he... Okay, I'll, I'll say this. In the first viewing, I thought he was just there because he was supposed to be on orders. However, in the second viewing, I actually caught most of the audio this time. He wasn't. He just showed up. Yeah. He's like, I was just out on a bike ride. And... He says he was going to give him pamphlets. Yeah, exactly. But he also doesn't Which come with very... any pamphlets. Yeah, mm-hmm. Exactly. And I was like, oh, wow. So he was, cle- I mean, clearly he heard, he caught wind of the Gestapo mm-hmm. going to his house. And you could presume that it was, they were after his, well, I mean, you saw the Gestapo was actually looking for his mom. I also kind of get the, the general impression that he knows. He knows. That his mom is part of the resistance. Yeah. yeah. Again, all things that just started, you just. You piece it together. You're just which watching is these wonderful. people and you piece it together. And it's just so, there's, there's a million different complicated relationships. And the acting is incredibly it's good. so good. Talking about the most important relationship in the movie uh, from a, not necessarily from a plot standpoint, but from a, an emotional connection standpoint is between Jojo and his mom. His mom, yeah. Um, Scarlett Johansson is phenomenal in this movie. The kid who plays Jojo, also phenomenal. Also, he's great, yeah. The, the, the range that this kid can do, he has great comic timing. He's... <laughs> Honestly, I love the, the last bit where he's like, oh, well, who's been writing all these letters then? <laughs> <laughs> um, but also when the movie needs him to deal with some really horrifying things, it does. When he's combative with his mom, when he, when he realizes that his mom's been helping this girl, like the dinner scene. The dinner scene where he's like, well, I'm awfully hungry this time. Right. Right. I, I, I really enjoyed... Uh, Scarlett Johansson's character like she comes off as like a very she's very witty she's very smart about everything and you know her heart's in the right place and she has a very specific way of dealing with a problem right so in the case where he says something if my father were here then mm-hmm. you know we would be like this and instead of just like arguing head-on she finds a different way to go about dealing with the subject and it becomes more of a heartfelt situation it allowed I mean, a lot because when she does first, you know, go, oh, you know, act out as his father. As this she's, as this idea of her, mm-hmm. his father. And she's very harsh with him. And I think that the, the, the layers to that scene is, yeah, she's just acting as this guy. But also, I think she really was, I mean, she, I, I'll say angry, but hurt. Hurt, I think yeah. that he said something that was very hurtful to her. Yeah. And this is, again, these are all the little dynamics that play off in real families, where when you love someone very deeply, you can yeah. also, unfortunately, hurt them 
deeply too. And in this case, there's just this heartbreaking side to her character too, which is that she obviously has these ideals. She she knows that the Nazis do horrible things, and mm-hmm. she is sort of trying to reclaim her country, um, not fight against it, but reclaim it for decent people. For decent people, yes. And, of course, her son is... She sees him is, as this guy, and she knew how he was previously. And this is where right. she tells Elsa, right? The idea, like, he thought that she created chocolate cake. Like, right. she invented it and stuff. And there's that heart to him. Honestly, I I think what really pulled me in, like, what really sealed the deal was when she was tucking him into bed and the whole winking thing. It's such a... You wouldn't think that you could extend a scene from that. It's like, oh, but you got it wrong. And then you just leave or something. But I don't know. There was like a... And then even though he couldn't do it, she, you know, playfully made him wink. It just shows this interplay. I mean, yeah. again, going to the show, don't tell, which is where, yeah, you can have a character say, I love you. And then you will understand for the plot that that's true, but you're not going to feel it. But the way that they act with each other, those little, that little fun way that they play off each other. And also at the bridge. You know that she loves him more than anything. Yeah. And you know that he loves her more than anything. Um, You can just see it. You just see that's how, that's how a mom is. Um, That's how a really badass mom is. Yeah. And no matter how distant they may be, they're not distant, they have a good relationship, but distant I mean in their ideology. Mm Mm-hmm. You still know that that doesn't trump how much they love each other. Right. Which is super important because seeing all that, seeing their interplay, like you said, at the, mm-hmm. even, you know, at the, the bridge, at the bridge and everything, yeah. seeing that closeness and feeling that love between them is the reason why, and you're super invested in it, that's the reason why the movie is also incredibly devastating. <laughs> I mean, she is eventually caught and killed. It happens off screen, but still even... We'll talk about the filmmaking in a second because also the reveal is just a genius use of a camera. Again, in a weaker, not as wonderfully written movie, mm-hmm. that could have just been, oh, well, something dramatic has to happen now, so she gets killed. But it's been coming for a while. That's yeah. They were looking for her. That's why that whole scene happens with the Gestapo. Right. They were already on her trail. Mm-hmm. You could have seen that coming. In fact, it is the next... She is never on screen after that until you see her, her body. Right. Um, like, there was a the part where he Because they left that her. house and they probably went immediately to find other places she might be and probably yeah. caught her that day. Yeah. The case... Uh, like, they, as I said, like, they'll pepper things throughout. Like, the shoes thing. It's a very effective way to hit you emotionally. When you see her feet, like you see it at the swimming pool, you see it when she's out at the bridge or before they go bike riding. Um, in, in another case, I can't quite remember. And then finally, the last time you see it. She's always wearing these same shoes, these white and red shoes. Right. And the movie has this weird focus on shoes, but not in a way that's weird. Like It, it feels completely natural. It she She's constantly tying his shoes, right. um, which is just something that moms do for kids who don't know how to tie their shoes. And also a lot of the shots show her walking she, like show from his level you his either, level i was just about yeah. to say because adding more to his it's, it's at his, his perspective, perspective yeah. yeah and so a lot of times like when he's in the pool yeah she walks up but she walks in this way that it actually just plays to her character which is that she has this good spirit and this yeah. playfulness to mm-hmm. her because whenever she's walking and it does focus on her shoes she's 
she's walking in kind of a dancey kind of way, yeah, which is just her character anyway. So mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't seem like an important thing for you to note, other than this is just her character just being her shown. Is, yeah. But how it reveals when it reveals that she is is dead is he's out. He's, I think he just bought food. Um, mm-hmm. And then he follows this butterfly, so his vision is down. He's yeah. focusing on it, and he walks forward. And then when he stands up again, the shot, even before he notices it, the sh- it sinks in at an audience level because we recognize those shoes. Right. He's, he, she's, she's been hung in the square, which, again, yeah. is a thing you referenced. is something yeah. that doesn't come out of nowhere. It's clear that they do it because yeah. she, she showed him it before mm-hmm. or didn't show it, but she had him look at it. Right. And there's always a callback to something. Right. So and you know, you know why those people will get hung is yeah. because they're resistance people. And so you just see the shoes enter the shot and your heart just immediately yeah. sinks. A level of thoughtfulness to everything in this mm-hmm. movie, like the editing, the the compo- the composing of the shots, uh, the music, just all of it is just I mean, well thought out. Right. It's not like if you watch certain movies, like the editing, the pacing, like it, some of them are just like, well, why did you do that? Or even the shot, like they, it's like, oh, this is a, an intense scene. So let's just shake the camera a bit. Right. And get in really close. But no, it was like these were really well, I don't want to use the word contrived, but it was really constructed. Constructed. It was well constructed. To that point, because the beginning of this movie is very colorful and it's very. Yes. It almost has a feel. It's not quite the same as a, as a, a Wes Anderson movie, but you could compare them. See, I was, yeah. You could. I'm so glad you said that because uh, I, I made that association earlier. And even that, I would argue, comes from a place, a very a very conscious place that's not just, oh, well, let's make this movie fun and colorful. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's, it's the contrast of when the war starts or right. when the war comes to their town, rather. It's, it's towards the end of the war anyway. But... Because everything on screen has been bright green and bright red and bright blue the whole time, and then nothing in that final, that not final, but that that like stretch of the battle going on. Right. You don't see anything but gray. The colors aren't as vibrant, and then it goes to fewer colors. Mm-hmm. Things like that seem like they're maybe not that important, but it it adds to the overall emotional shift that the movie makes, and that stuff's kind of subconscious to humans. Yes, but it is it does matter. It does make you mm-hmm. feel differently, and so he could have just made it all look like just regular old real life, mm-hmm. and then yeah, the movie's tone would certainly still change and it would still matter. But it's so stark that you feel you almost feel the heaviness of it more. Right. Any major things you want to hit on before we start to wrap up here? Just little little tidbits of the movie that make me laugh to myself. Like at the end, where she asks what happens and who won the war. I was thinking how this movie could devolve into a really creepy serial killer kind of thing. Like where he's, now he's emotionally stunted and he keeps a woman in his attic. I mean, <laughs> no, you have to live here forever with me. I mean, he does initially yeah. lie to her, which yeah. you do understand. Even that's a heartbreaking thing. He, it's he's like, he's going to he lose has, another person. And he case. will literally be a 10-year-old who lives by himself. <laughs> um, Although they did say, well, she says it. I don't know how much truth there is. But Elsa says that uh, his mom said that after the war, he would his, become his dad. His dad will come back. Yeah. I'm not so sure his dad's alive. I'm not either. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing with like this whole indoctrination is that Jojo has no father figure. So this whole imaginary friend thing serves as a, a surrogate kind of mm-hmm. thing 
I mean, it's just, yeah, it's like that, that is the brainwashing, which is like, he's, he's obviously never actually met Hitler, but to him, Hitler's his best friend. Right. Um, because he's been fed all these lies about him. Okay. I mean, I know we kind of talked about this previously, not in the recording, but the case of, uh, Captain K and uh, what is the guy's name? Fringle? Um, toward the end, like, uh, when they were talking about the invasion, they had also showed off the type of additions to their attire. And they're very, they're very flamboyant, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the giant feather and the cape and the boots um, and the coloring. To me, I mentioned this earlier, was the case that it was like their last hurrah. Like they could actually express themselves because they knew that's where the, the end was coming. They, there was right. an invasion. Caught my attention in the first They time. were almost themselves. I mean, even though they were yeah. still fighting on the German side, they were, they were still themselves in, in this way. Right. Being liberated. Yes. They weren't necessarily trying to win the war in that no. moment. <laughs> but they would go out in the most fabulous way possible. Right. <laughs> um, um, but that was my interpretation of that part. I think that's a reasonable interpretation. I didn't actually think about that in the movie when you brought it up, though. I was like, that makes sense. I can see that being the, the full arc of their character, which is that, like, hey, we're free now, too. Yeah. I want to touch on a bit of a larger point. It's this whole idea. I mean, the whole theme is, like, you know, with humanity and getting to know the other side essentially um i just don't like this whole idea just because it's kind of happening right now also um this whole like blanket kind of statement on a group of people and it's that part that dehumanizes them right and so going through this whole journey with jojo and how jews were having this whole blanket statement they're the devils and they're mind controlling and they're evil people even though he's never really met any and he had this whole idea that he's like uh, uh, when a uh, Yorkie is like, how would you know if you met a Jew? It's like, I would know from their horns. Right? right. And already this really extreme perspective. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like the whole idea with the Hong Kong protesters and a lot of people calling them cockroaches and stuff. Uh, there's this, there's this school of thought that is like, well, we don't even give any, any look at or any conversation with these people because they are just wrong and bad, but that's not that's not helping anybody. No, it's not like it's like in this case. One thing that might make the movie controversial is that it starts off where our protagonist is a very enthusiastic Nazi, right? But as Elsa says to him, "You're not a Nazi. You're a ten-year-old boy mm-hmm. who likes swastikas." It's like. <clears throat> By understanding, this isn't sympathizing with Nazis. What it's doing is understanding how they, they got, got their thoughts mm-hmm. so that you can then fix it because you understand how they got their thoughts. You're hitting the nail on the head, right? <laughs> it's not just like this ephemeral idea where it's like you have no idea where to really start arguing. Right. No, if you get to the, the heart of it, then you can actually address the problem. Right. So... Yeah, and no, you can maybe yeah. you don't you don't change people's people who have troubling views or problematic views. You don't change their mind by calling them idiots and assholes. You change their mind by listening and then presenting other ideas and by showing them that that's maybe not right. Mm-hmm. That and why that's not right. Right. Not by just saying, "Oh, well, you're an asshole, so I won't ever talk to you." And then they still have their bad views. In fact, they they hate you more now. You probably enhance it more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. uh, and so this. Yeah, and so this exploration of that sort of method 
and understanding, I think, is, is very crucial. So, yeah, the subject matter, obviously, it starts off with, you know, heavily immersed into Nazism for Jojo. Um, but the whole method and the journey for him to get to that point should serve as a sort of an example of what I think more people should be doing. Yeah. It is a wonderful movie uh, that really shows all of the best aspects of cinema to me. It is it is slightly surreal in a way that's, that's fun and engaging. It is deeply intimate in a way that makes you remember what it's like to be alive. And it captures that really well. Yeah. And it says something about what it means to be a human in a way that's entertaining and sometimes funny and sometimes sad. And as the there's an ending quote in the movie, do you recall? Not exactly. Something about the beauty and terror. Um, it, it, allow it essentially, all to happen. Yeah, allow yeah it to happen. so it, it, I mean, it's just what you're saying, too. I'm just adding to that point. Yeah, well, uh, thank you all for listening. Um, remember to uh, like and subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can find us at characterarc.net, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You can follow us and like and share on Facebook at Character Arc and on Instagram at Character Arc. Uh, my name is Richard Bertelson. And I am Ted Hong. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Thank you.